This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Welcome back to Sportsbook. What's up? I'm Dan Roberts, and this week we're talking about the fact that in just a couple weeks, the U.S. Supreme Court, SCOTUS as it's called, will hear the New Jersey sports betting case. This has been highly anticipated. This New Jersey case has been lying around, bouncing around for years. No one thought it would make it to the Supreme Court. Uh, the most recent development a few months back was that the lower court, the third district, voted 10 to 2 against New Jersey. So people thought that was it. And the US DOJ, the Department of Justice, uh, recommended that the Supreme Court not hear the case. And then much to everyone's surprise, the Supreme Court said it will hear the case. That is happening on December 4. And if you're a complete newbie to this and don't know what I'm talking about, the case is Christie et al. versus NCAA et al. And the case is New Jersey wanting to legalize sports betting in its state. Now, obviously, yes, there are casinos in Atlantic City where there is some gambling allowed, uh, but there is not sports betting. And that is a result of PASPA, which is the federal law from 1992 that basically, for all intents and purposes, banned sports betting in America other than Nevada and a couple other little exceptions here and there, dog racing, horse racing in certain states. But that is the reason you cannot legally place a bet on an NBA game in the U.S. somewhere other than Las Vegas. And New Jersey wants to change that in its state. So this is a big case, very exciting. It has major implications. Uh, if New Jersey were to win the case, which a lot of people feel optimistic it will, simply because the Supreme Court is willing to hear it, that would probably create a domino effect where a number of other states rush to do the same. And then at least for a while, you'd have a state-by-state -state landscape, sort of like you have with daily fantasy sports right now, where there are maybe nine or ten states that have explicitly banned DFS, and the rest have it, but then within the rest that have it, 15 have expressly passed bills to legalize and regulate DFS. So that's what would happen if New Jersey wins. Now, interestingly, the NCAA, as well as all the rest of the major leagues except Major League Soccer, so NBA, NFL, MLB, and NHL, are all against the New Jersey case. They want New Jersey to lose the case. But, important distinction, that's not because they do not want change in sports betting law. They do. Uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has been especially vocal about this, but Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred has indicated he feels the same. They want a form of legalized sports betting, but they don't want it to be state by state. As you can imagine, if you think about it and picture that, that would be very messy and difficult. Uh, imagine if you could now bet on NBA games in six states, but not in the others. How do you police that? What the leagues want is for it to be a consistent nationwide change. And that would mean repealing PASPA. So that's what is on the horizon, and that's what a lot of people want to see happen. Uh, that is not what is at stake in the New Jersey case. The New Jersey case will either allow New Jersey to legalize sports betting in its own state or not. So, of course, this is a chance that nothing changes from this case. But December 4, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to hear it. Now, I happened to be on a panel this week at the Sports Betting USA conference in New York. That's what prompted my idea to devote an episode to it. And we discussed this case and all of the implications, and we were lucky enough to have on the panel a lawyer, an executive from the NBA, the Assistant General Counsel of the NBA, Dan Spillane. Uh, he had some interesting things to say about the NBA's stance 
on the New Jersey case and on sports betting. Our general position on sports betting is that it should be legal and regulated pursuant to a federal framework that has minimum safeguards in terms of protecting the integrity of the game and in terms of protecting the consumers of sports betting, which is in large part our fans. That was interesting. Uh, of course, as always, a representative of one league is usually hesitant to talk about the other leagues. So Dan on the panel kept saying, you know, I only want to speak for the NBA. But separately, uh, the NFL is the interesting league to watch, I think, because even though all the leagues are, I guess, together in opposing the New Jersey case, I do think they have different plans, different attitudes toward gambling. Uh, specifically, and this won't surprise anyone, the NFL's is more stringent, more strict, more afraid, more averse, especially Roger Goodell, the commissioner. So if there is a change as a result of the New Jersey case, I wouldn't assume that the NFL will approach it in the same way that the rest of the leagues will. Now, also on that panel was an executive from a company called Genius Sports, which is the parent company of Bet Genius. And that's not a company many American sports fans would know, but it's an important company abroad where in places like the UK, sports betting is fine and legal and every corner has a sports book you can walk into. Uh, sports Genius is a data and analytics company and provides data and analytics on live betting to sports books, so places where you can gamble, as well as to sports entities. Uh, a direct competitor of Bet Genius that is a little better known right now is Sport Radar. And Sport Radar is a little better known in America because it has cut official partnerships with some of the leagues, uh, most notably the NFL and the NBA. Now I want to read uh, a headline and a little snippet from the New York Times in 2015. The headline is, NFL's deal over data blurs a line on gambling. And essentially the idea is that because the NFL has partnered with Sport Radar, which provides data and analytics, some people think this is a little shady only because this same company currently provides data to sports books. And of course, you know, there are not legal sports books in America other than in Nevada. So some places saw this as the leagues basically showing that they know and believe and expect that legalized sports betting is coming in America and they're getting their ducks in a row and they're making partnerships like this so that they can be out in front of it and ready. Uh, so this executive that we had on our panel is my guest on today's podcast episode. His name is Tom Russell and he is the general counsel of Sports Genius. He joined me to discuss what companies like his, that is, companies mostly operating outside America where sports betting is fine and legal that do data, uh, what companies like his expect in America, why they're watching America so closely right now, and how a change in America's sports betting law would affect the U.S. pro sports leagues and how companies like his are trying to get in. All right, I'm joined by Tom Russell of Genius Sports. Hi, Tom. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Good. Uh, let's go over for our viewers just briefly. Can you ID what Genius Sports is, what it does, and then within that, what Bet Genius is? Yes, sure. So Genius Sports, in summary, really has three parts to its business. Uh, there's a sports-facing business, which creates relationships with sport to help them monetize their data, um, and that's called Genius Sports. There's a betting business, which is a sportsbook-facing business, which takes the data that we've gathered from sports, um, and other sources as well, we collect some ourselves, 
and gives that to sportsbooks together with our trading tools and algorithms to help them run their sportsbooks more efficiently and more successfully. And then the third wheel, if you like, is a um, advertising business, which which isn't really relevant to the, the betting business or the discussion we're having today. But, but but in summary, that's 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 the group. There's the three arms to it. And you and I were just on this panel talking about mostly the U.S. and yeah. the change that some people believe is coming soon. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to hear this New Jersey betting case uh, December four, very soon. Yeah. And we were discussing how that might affect the pro leagues. Uh, you're in an interesting position because you guys do a lot of business outside the U.S. or most of your business, I know, is an L.A. office. Is that sports should control the data that is used for betting. So the, the, bet, the data that is used by betting companies in any regulated model should have to be the data that's supplied by the sport. And in that way, you can maintain the integrity of the sport, which is obviously vital. And everyone in betting needs a, a fair game, otherwise there is no betting industry. Uh, and you can keep illegal actors out. You can, you can really reduce the illegal market because you lock them out of using the official data that can be used for betting. Let's drill down into that. When you say the data should be controlled by the sports, what kind of data are we talking about? I mean, the over-unders, things like that on games, obviously come from Vegas and from sportsbooks uh, or abroad. So what kind of data is it that would inform betting on American sports that you know, should be controlled by the sports themselves? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. I should probably take a sort of step back here and talk about the type of data that's used for betting and also the type of betting which is um, common in Europe at the moment. The most popular type of sports betting in the UK and most of Europe, not all of Europe, is what we call in-play betting. So this is in-game live. betting. Live, yeah. betting, live betting. So what the next score is going to be. Um, um, who's going to score the next goal? I mean, you know, stuff is going on live. See, and that's so interesting because in the U.S., I mean, I'm just thinking of March Madness, say, or going to, I was just in Vegas. I mean, you have to get your bet down before the game starts, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's something that's come about fairly recently, and it's grown massively, and it's now the number one source of revenue for many sports books. Wow. Uh, and it's something that really, if done correctly, can really drive fan engagement as well. Um, but obviously, what it does mean is that the data that's, being supplied has to be the fastest data, has to be accurate data, and it has to have the most, the, the deepest data, if you like. And the best people to give that are sports. So we're talking not just about scores, probably, but even stats, maybe player stats. Here's how many assists this player has if we're talking about basketball. or Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most common, I guess, would tend to be sort of the next goal. Uh, but also there are some operators that offer markets on in soccer what's called the next throw-in. So the next time the ball goes out, uh, corners. Um, there, there's many, many markets that in-play betting can allow. And, it, you know, and it's... It's something that customers really seem to enjoy. Um, but I keep going back to the fact that the data that underpins that is obviously vital. It's the fuel that runs that product is the data. Um, and you need to be able to trust that data. And we think that the best way to make sure you can trust that data is for that data to come from whether it's the umpire's chair or by someone um, at the sport who's sanctioned by the sport and, and, and controlled by the sport to make sure they're providing the most accurate data. So controlled by the sports leagues, let's let's bring it back to America. That doesn't necessarily have to mean the leagues actually, I guess, creating it, managing it, owning it. It could mean a partnership with companies like yours. It could yeah. just mean partnering with outside companies that they've verified that the data is, up, you know, high tech and and yeah, sure. I mean, there's lots of ways. Correct. Lots of ways you can do it. I mean, companies like ours will have people actually in the in the stadium in Europe actually collecting the collecting the data. Oh wow! Um, and that's a model that our US sports are looking at as well because you know this is this data is not just used for sports betting; it can also be used for for media purposes as well, and it's also very valuable for analytical purposes as well to help the sports with hmm. training, etc. So um, yes, I mean it, it won't necessarily have to be a sports employee that does it. 
but it should be someone who's working closely with the sport to make sure that the sport has ultimate control of where that data is going. It's interesting that you bring up in-game betting, mm. which is big abroad. It reminds me a little bit of daily fantasy sports. I mean, you have to have your lineup set right before the game, or even not just DFS, which is this newer form, but even what we call season-long fantasy. You still you set your lineup. You better get the lineup set right before the game because they don't allow you to sub in a player in the middle of the game. The game has already started. What if he gets injured, etc.? But the way that people who love fantasy play is you know during the game they're looking at their phone they're glued to the phone there are a lot of similarities here uh tell me a little bit about from your vantage point especially outside the u.s uh how have companies like yours viewed the rise of DraftKings, FanDuel, daily fantasy uh, with interest i mean obviously um, as i think i just said on the panel with you and i were on a, on a, on a little while ago today um, it's always very interesting from british eyes to look at the daily fantasy arguments that were going on about whether it was or, or wasn't betting i mean we have fantasy sports in the uk as well but it's widely recognised that they are betting. And with the British eyes, they, it looks like betting. And I, you know, I don't want to wade into that argument, particularly as, as a non-American, but I think we would, we would view that as, as, as probably betting. Um, so it was viewed with interest. I think what Daily, Daily Fantasy um, has shown quite clearly is that there is a clear demand in the US for that type of activity. Uh, people want to be watching their favourite team and they want to be trying to make calls on what the next, what the next goal might be or what the next basket might be or the next touchdown or whatever it is. So I think Daily Fantasy was very interesting to us from that perspective um, because it shows that a properly run, properly regulated sports market could be very successful here, mm. sports betting market, I should say. In the U.S., people have pointed to these companies, just as you say, they've pointed to the, the fact that you know maybe it's betting, maybe it's not, but regardless, the debate over it and the rise in popularity and even the scrutiny and controversy has potentially contributed in a positive way to the momentum towards some yeah, kind of change right. Right. Yeah, in sports betting. Outside the U.S., has it had that effect or it's almost like it doesn't really matter because, I mean, outside the U.S., obviously, sports betting is fine and there are bookmakers on every corner. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's certainly the, the, the debate certainly didn't have the impact that it had in Europe that it had here because it, it bluntly wasn't relevant to the, to the European market. Sports betting exists. It's, it's a regulated, legitimate leisure activity and happens... Um, happens across the board so I don't think there was a huge amount of interest in the uh, arguments necessarily other than to say well isn't this a sort of forebearer for a, um, a legalizing market in the US because it, you know the uh, the reasons for not having a sports betting market if you're moving towards a regulated daily fantasy market become less and less I think absolutely uh, you guys are used to obviously dealing with outside the US Sports like soccer, where everyone understands that everyone bets on the games, that's fine. And, you know, there's cricket and, and things like that. When you, from the outside in, look at America, specifically at things like the NFL or Major League Baseball, does it, I guess, A, surprise you still that attitudes toward gambling are, are still so traditional or that it's still so different here? And then I'd also ask what you make of the attitudes that the leagues currently have. Um, I well, with regards to my whether I find it surprising, um, no. I mean, I think that you know the, the the U.S. market is what it is, and that's just the way it's developed. And I, you know, I, I think that's just as I say, it is how it is. With regards to what the leagues are saying, I, mean, I think the leagues are in a difficult position because they obviously want to protect their sport, um, and uh, you know, and they are diligent in doing that. And I think they need to understand what regulation might look like. And it's very difficult for them to be definitive at the moment because nobody knows what the regulatory environment is going to be. No one knows what the um, result of the upcoming Supreme Court case would be. So I think you'll probably see, you, you might see changes in the league's um, attitudes after the Supreme Court hands down a verdict, particularly if that verdict 
um, leads to a repeal or partial repeal of, of PASPA, which is the, the, the current federal ban on sports betting. Uh, but I think it's very hard for them to, to say too much until they know what they're dealing with, if you, if you see what I mean. But with regard to America generally, I mean, I think it's, it's a country that loves sport. It's a country where statistics is huge in sport as well. So I think, to, I think the, the opportunities for a, a well-run regulated sports betting market are, are huge. Mm. Especially when people talk about the tax benefits to the states. Yeah. Well, this is it, and you know, and, and Daniel, there's one thing I think I always say when I'm having these sort of conversations in America is that this legalization won't lead to the start of sports betting. Sports betting in America is already huge; right. it already happens. It's just, yeah. it's just that the regulate the authorities or the nation has no visibility of it and no control over it. So all of this money is flooding out of the U.S. Mm-hmm. with no tax benefit, no control. Um, we call it dark, you know, dark market or yeah, dark yeah, betting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the fact that it's happening already, um, my personal view is surely it's better to sort of put your arms around it, shine a light on it, and try and control it and use it for the benefit of sport. Hypothetically, too, if we look at something like soccer, I mean, why should betting on games have an impact on the integrity? But you're right to, to bring up, you know, they want to protect their sport, integrity of the sport. That's something we hear from the pro leagues all the time. And it's just interesting to me. That's why I asked about sort of the attitudes in America from your vantage point, just because people do tend to assume that just the ability to legally bet on these games somewhere other than Las Vegas mm. would somehow hurt the integrity. Yeah, I'm not that, sure that, that I go back to my previous point. I just don't agree with that because the betting is already happening. Uh, it's just we don't know where it is and we don't know who's betting. We don't know where the money's moving. So it's a lot harder to protect integrity. If you accept that betting on sports already is huge, um, then the way to protect integrity is to make it transparent, to make the activity right. transparent. Bring it out into the light. Exactly, yeah, bring it out absolutely. into the light. And that's, uh, I think that's, that's a view that I hold quite strongly, and I think that has to be the, the correct answer eventually. In the news in this space, because this New Jersey case will finally be heard in December by the U.S. Supreme Court, yeah. there is all of this sort of optimism, almost in many cases assumption, mm. that something will change, either... New Jersey will get its way, and then all the other states will rush to, to make a change, and we'll see a huge domino effect. Or maybe New Jersey loses, but, but there's this assumption that either way, we're headed toward potentially a repeal of PASPA. Mm. But I always like to ask, I mean, what if nothing changes for a long time? I mean, it could be another 10 years. Yeah, that may no be one the seems case. To oh, what about if allow PASPA, for that. What, so, um, what about if PASPA's appealed, and actually, you know what, not that many states really fancy going to sports betting for whatever reason, because sure. they don't feel that it's a great vote winner, or because they don't feel that their, their population is something really they particularly want, and that's, an op- that's something that could happen. That is something that could happen, that PASPA gets repealed, and you end up with perhaps not as many states as everyone thinks. So I think, yeah, I'm not sure that there's going to be this gold rush to sports betting after the Supreme Court. Um, but I think there is going to be some sort of change. I, I, you know, I mean, the fact that the Supreme Court has decided to hear it, you know, and I'm not a U.S. constitutional lawyer, would never pretend to be one. But uh, my understanding is that they don't hear very many cases at all. One percent, two percent, I think I've heard. So the fact is they probably have got something to say here. Um, and bearing in mind that all of the lower court decisions have been against New Jersey, you would imagine that the thing they've got to say is um, different, something in favor of New Jersey. But let's, let's wait and see. Mm. Or at least some change to the current status quo. You would think so. That right. Uh, I want to make sure I ask you while I have you, especially as, as, a, um, as a non-American, what has your take been on President Trump, specifically as it relates to, to gambling? There, there is a wide sense of optimism, I think, simply because he has owned casinos in the past, which I always say, boy, that, that's no automatic guarantee. But people think that his administration might prove friendly to a change in betting law in addition years ago, but it was already like decades ago. 
he was on the record on camera at some point saying that he thought there should be, you know, uh, federal legalized regulated sports betting. Uh, but he hasn't really said anything publicly on it in many years, and at least after one year of his presidency, there's been nothing from his administration on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you. You would assume, by virtue of his business, past business interests, that he wouldn't be anti-gambling. But obviously, what the regulated model looks like can be very varied, and I don't think, by virtue of him having owned casinos or, or having interests still in Nevada or relationships in, in Nevada casino owners, means that he would necessarily be in favor of a, an internet um a regulated model, for example, because obviously the casinos would have something to say about that. Um, so, so it's hard to say what Trump thinks until he comes out and actually makes a statement, because he's sort of been very quiet on it so far. Uh, quiet as he is on pretty much everything else. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard to know what, where Trump stands on it. But uh, you would imagine that he wouldn't be against some sort of regulation. But I'd imagine that regulation would be more the type of regulation that the large casinos would want. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the internet, actually, because we haven't been really making that distinction. But when we talk about maybe a change to PASPA or uh, if, if, if New Jersey gets its way, uh, how will that play out in terms of betting in person or brick and mortar casinos versus iGaming? I mean, there, there are separate existing laws that govern iGaming and, you know, the Wire Act. I yeah, so. I mean, I mean that's, a, that's a difficult question. I mean, the internet is obviously a force of our times. I mean, it, it pretty much affects all parts of our life. So the idea that in the long run that the internet won't be involved in sports betting in America, I, I, I find that hard to believe. Right. You could just do it from an app. I mean. Sure. And, you know, and, and this is what customers want to do. So any regulated model which totally excludes the internet, I think will be hard to, to make successful um, in the long run just because people want to bet online. And I think you want to keep out the regulated market. You also you want to keep out the unregulated operators you would imagine there would have to be some sort of internet offering. But I do understand as well that there's lots of issues involved in that, and it may not be possible for that for the internet to be brought in initially. But you would imagine, in, if we were talking in 20 years' time, that there would be some form of internet sports betting in, in, in the Americas. Okay, I thought that was interesting, a useful interview, uh, especially interesting to me what Tom had to say about daily fantasy sports, which is a pet topic of mine and something we've discussed on this podcast. Uh, if you haven't heard... You should go back and listen to our episode on fantasy in which we had the CEO of DraftKings and the CEO of FanDuel. Uh, interesting to hear Tom say that at the very least, the rise of those companies just shows that Americans want to bet on sports. Uh, of course, most interesting, he said, hey, from his perspective, it's gambling. Of course, those companies will tell you, no, no, we're, we're not gambling. We're not sports betting. But if there is a change in America's sports betting law, I expect those companies to uh, hop aboard. I don't know if they'll explicitly say, yes, we were gambling all along, but they would likely create sports books or some kind of sports betting part of their business. All right. What do you think? Do you gamble on sports, even outside Las Vegas, Nevada, where it's legal? Let us know. You can tell us anonymously or have your name on it. Uh, you're likely in a March Madness pool if you enjoy this podcast. And we know that people bet money on March Madness. We know people bet money on the Super Bowl. We know that Americans love to bet on sports, whether or not it's legal. Do you expect the law to change? Do you want it to change? And how do you think the pro sports leagues will react if there is a change? Tweet at us, comment, uh, email me, whatever you want to do. We want to hear your opinions. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. We are on all the different podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Acast. Find us anywhere and check back with us every Thursday morning. Thanks. 